Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time of day it might be while you're listening to this podcast or whatever part of the world where you're from. Welcome. My name is Doug Plucknett, and I'm the host of the Leadership Connection. Today, I am absolutely pleased to have a very special guest in Howard Penrose. Howard is known as the Motor Doc, and uh, he's got the credentials to prove that. Howard, how are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing very well. How, you be, how have you been? I can't complain. I'm enjoying the uh, semi-retirement life, uh, <laughs> working on some projects around the home, getting ready to open the pool and uh, enjoy a nice summer, hopefully. Ah, that, that's good. That's good. So I hear you're just coming from the uh, wind turbine conference. Is that what it is? Or? Oh, it's, it's called the Wind Power Conference. However, it covers um, wind, solar, and uh, energy storage. Great stuff. Yeah. I got to tell you, uh, I'm trying to think of how many years back. It's got to be at least 10. I'm thinking that uh, I did some work for Mighty River Power over in New Zealand and was just totally impressed with New Zealand and their uh, uh, their grid, right? I believe at that time there were 85% uh, renewable energy on their grid between wind turbines and waterfalls and uh geothermal they had quite a bit of geothermal power yeah so oh absolutely in that area i think we're we're still at about a half a percent geothermal in the united wow. states yeah so uh at any rate howard if you could tell our listeners a bit about your background uh, places you've worked uh where you went to school those types of things oh my um let's see uh for, first bit was uh high school, actually. I started working for Amico Labs on the, um, I, I worked on the Amico Ultimate, the first synthetic oil. Right. Uh, so that was my lubrication background to start uh, back in 82 <laughs> to age wow. myself a bit. Uh, then joined the Navy uh, instead of going into college right away and uh, uh, was exposed to electric motors there. So it was my worst right. subject in a school. Uh, so when I went out to, uh, I asked for the, the world's smallest ship on the West Coast, which is a seagoing tug, because I grew up in Newfoundland, Canada, right? Saw plenty of the um, Atlantic. So I wanted to see the Pacific, not realizing that that meant I was really asking for the world's largest ship under construction in Newport News. So um, ended up uh, on the Theodore Roosevelt uh, running the motor repair shop. Because they asked, what do you want to do? I said, well, my worst subject was electric machines. So I want to know everything there is to know. Um, and then shortly after that, discovered that my uh, grandfather and my great-grandfather used to head up the, the rewind shop for Westinghouse Canada doing the big okay. hydro generators. Yeah. And, and that started my career. So I, I worked at Dry Silker as... Um, as a technician, um, I was a winder in the Navy. I was a mechanic once I entered civilian life, ran a repair shop. That was, and, then, and then by then it was 1992. So I uh, got started into school uh, online, actually, uh, through, right. uh, through um, Kennedy Western, which, which at the time had been set up through the VA program. So... Um, that allowed me to work during the day because I, by then I had two kids and started uh, doing that in the evening. So I went to school at the different colleges here, 
we put all the anywhere where I need the labs, put all that together. So that was my evening. During the day, I was doing research for the U.S. Department of Energy and working on the uh, different motor challenge and other challenge programs uh, while I was back at Dry Sulker. And finally, went into a consulting firm after I finished my master's, uh, working on what we now call machine learning. Okay. And um, uh, at the time, it was VRML. We weren't using Unreal and some of those engines like we do now for, for virtual environments. Uh, and I think we now call it digital twin. <laughs> Mind you, back then, I mean, we had, we, we, in order to do all the stuff we do now on a phone, we needed university scale uh, computers. Right. So uh, during that, uh, UIC, University of Illinois at Chicago, invited me to teach. So I taught industrial engineering, which is what I am, okay. and um, also allowed me to finish my PhD while running the Energy Resources Center. So I, I specialized in utility and industrial work and novel approaches to doing assessments. And along the way, I was evaluating, starting in 97, I was doing wind turbines and solar. Um, and that, that was while I was at UIC and also did a study for uh, Pacific Gas and Electric on evaluating electric motors because we surpassed that point where they were doing the retrofit programs. Now it became finding motors in poor condition and doing energy retrofits then and did that for Pacific Gas and Electric, which had me evaluating PDMA, all test and a few other technologies. Um, and entered the industry. I went to work for Altest. And that's where most people think I got into the business. And I'd actually, it was, it was kind of slowing down in my career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Um, uh, yeah. Then after that, uh, went and I had contracts with the U.S. Steel and um, General Motors um, running and putting together best, best practices for facilities and teaching electrical signature analysis and motor diagnostics and so on. And uh, during that time, uh, after putting together all the best practices for the motor management program for General Motors through a joint UAW management program, um, the board asked me to get involved in the hybrids. We needed to launch the uh, hybrid Tahoe. So they were having a problem with the electric machine uh, the, um, and, uh, uh, I was brought in and basically looked at the machine and said there, that, and that became my entry into uh, hybrid, hybrid vehicle technology. So, uh, got involved in that was, uh, involved in the vault, uh, briefly. And then the economy fell apart, yeah. <laughs> went back to dry silker, <laughs> as their VP, because I needed something to do. Um, and during that time, got pulled into John Deere and worked on the 644 and 944 hybrid tractors. Now, mind you, all this time, I'm doing research and development in insulation systems. I'm serving um, in multiple uh, volunteer positions in IEEE, SMRP, and other organizations. So I kind of work to fund my... Um, hobbies. <laughs> and, uh, and I know that you've left one significant one out. 
Oh, you mean powerlifting? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I love yeah, I, watching your videos. Uh, I, I, I unfortunately, uh, yeah, yeah. I unfortunately, uh, that's, that's been something that's followed me since the Navy. Uh, now, right now we own the largest powerlifting gym in the United States. So yeah, we run, um, meets on a monthly basis. Uh, we get involved in programs like relentless, which raises on, well, except for of course, 2020 and 2021, but raises on average a uh, quarter to a half a million, uh, for hope kids. Um, and, uh, then we also run an autism meet. That uh, even in the even during the time when we were <laughs> closed down, um, we raised about fifteen k for the Autism Society of America. So outstanding, you know that's 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 what I have fun doing. My partner seems to run that most of the time because I'm traveling a lot. Yeah, uh, even during the pandemic, I I, re- I stood in the middle of Park Avenue in Manhattan in February of 2021. And took a picture down the street towards the MetLife building, which is also where Grand Central Station is, at 5.30 on a Tuesday evening with not a person or a vehicle on the street. It it was like a, it's like one of those old movies, you know, the the disaster movies where everything's just nothing was functioning. And we were on it. We were in one of the Chrysler uh, side buildings. We were the only people in that entire building. I mean, it was just incredible. So, um, yeah, there, there was a lot going on then, but long story short, um, I'm back into, I've been back into consulting field service work, uh, everything else since 2015, all the positions I've been in, um, I've been doing the same thing. So, uh, everybody looks at me as an electric machinery guy. And by the way, motor doc was the nickname given me by, um, uh, my captain on the Theodore Roosevelt uh, oh, no when kidding. I was running the repair shop. Yeah, so um, yeah, that, it that goes was back a long way. Goes back a long way. There, there was another name for the 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 manager of the rewind departments on board aircraft carriers, and I didn't like that name. So he said, "Well, in that case, you're the motor doc." All right. So, uh, yeah. And that was the, that was the last time we were having problems with, uh, the, you know, at the time it was the USSR, right. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the 1980s. Um, oh boy. Yeah. So, um, now up to speed, um, just a little involved after, after finishing up my time, uh, as chair of SMRP, got pulled right back in the technical side of everything. So right now I'm vice chair and incoming chair of technical standards for wind, solar, and um, energy storage for American Clean Power, and uh, right back into all my old positions in IEEE. So um, if anybody's been wondering where I am, I'm working on standards. So there's a lot for you. And most recently, most recently, finally, just to really throw another wrench into this, uh, heavily involved in what's going on with national grid work. So, uh, yeah. Yes, we have a bunch of money set aside now with uh, for infrastructure, and hopefully they 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 set enough aside to upgrade our grid around this country because it is in (laughs) really really tough shape. It it is in really bad shape. Um, Yeah. We've got uh, monitoring systems on several facilities that happen to be in the exact same area as when the grid went down in the Northeast in 2003. Yeah. And it's no better than it was then. 
Um, so there really was not much in the way of improvement. Um, so we're watching at these two facilities, we're watching voltages drop as low uh, on a 12.4 KV. And we're talking about three and four megawatt plants. So they're not huge, but they're not small either. Right. We're watching voltages vary from 11,000 in the morning till to, to floating during the day up to 15,000. So four plus 14%, and then wow. voltage unbalance coming into plants varying from five to, to 8%. So um, if you're wondering what's happening to your equipment, yeah, don't, whatever you do, don't take a look at your utility meter and what you're receiving. Right. Um, it's incredible. Um, and that's an uh, interesting conversation. You know, I normally talk about leadership power, but you're one of those guys that as soon as I get talking to you, there's so <laughs> many other questions that I have. Uh, just as an example, I, I worked a few years back with a, a company that was sponsored, in fact, by uh, a Russian oligarch to make uh, these huge batteries for uh, taking power from the uh, solar panels and the wind turbines and, and kind of balancing it. So it went more even out of the grid, but they yep. really struggled to, uh, to be able to produce those in a, in a timely fashion. So they, uh, he finally said, okay, that's enough money and, and they bid it. But uh, it was, it was an interesting technology and I, I'm thinking, wow, man, if you can get perfect, this is going to help quite a bit, you know? Um, and I'm not sure where that is. And so that was the question that I had for you. Do you know, uh, are they still working in that direction? Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, utility scale um, battery storage is a thing. Uh, yeah. They're they're definitely going in. Uh, they're there to kind of ride through wind variations yeah. uh, and solar variation. You know, basically, if you go to a solar farm and a cloud goes overhead, you get a variation in the voltage sure. output. But what people don't realize, if I'm in Oklahoma or Texas or Iowa or Illinois or Indiana or any number of other states where they have wind, we'll be on a farm and they're so broad that we will have an area that has no wind on one side of the farm and it's sitting idle and the other side is going, you know, almost full power. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's some, funny. Of the, some of the farms in Oklahoma, they, they, I mean, it's 20 miles from corner to yeah. corner. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple good sized ones in uh, upstate New York, mm -hmm. and it's one of those that you know when I'm flying in, I'll actually see that. You can see that some of them are buzzing right along, and then you see it slow down. You get to the other end, and boop, we got a few that are stopped. Right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and it's known and it's it's planned for. Uh, yeah. you know, I watch the T. I'm directly involved in all of this stuff, and and I watch what what you see on media, and it it would be funny. If it wasn't people, if people weren't taking it seriously, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like they were never meant as base load. <laughs> never, <laughs> they're they're actually they're you know, and I've had people tell me, well, it makes the grid unstable. No, actually, wind, solar, energy storage. Anytime you have an electronic system involved, that's used for stabilizing the grid. As a matter of fact, in southern Ontario. A majority of the uh, turbines that are on the peninsula there are distinctly meant for grid stabilization, not necessarily power generation. Wow, that is cool stuff. And, uh, yeah, and there's there's standards behind it. So uh, the IEEE 1547, which we split into three parts now, it used to be a single standard. 
Um, that covers that specifically. Uh, and then we've got the P, I want to say 6,800, but it's probably 6,300. Uh, I've got so many, we've got so many standards going through now that P just means it's in development on interconnection with the grid is specifically designed to ensure that manufacturers of these, uh, of these systems um, are developing them in such a way to stabilize the grid instead of us requiring large capacitor banks and everything else on long distance bulk power, uh, bulk power lines. The downside is right now, as we mentioned the grid earlier is we've got 1.4 terawatts worth of energy waiting of programs and energy waiting to be introduced to the grid, but no way to get that power anywhere. No, that's, part of the, that's part of that infrastructure bill. So that, that work was launched through the Department of Energy last month. Wow. Um, it's been waiting. I mean, in SMRP, that was a big part of what I was driving for. That's why I was chairing the, the infrastructure and, and uh, smart grid programs. Um, we were really, really, really pushing for that because right now the grid, our grid is so weak. It's back to what Europe was going through after World War II. Um, that I've been waiting for our electric motors to go to Y deltas and soft starts everywhere, right? So um, it's uh, it's it's a bit of a challenge. We'll just put it that way. So uh, this is uh, one of the things that I, I tell folks is some some people have good memories, others don't, right? I tell them because somebody said to me, just one of my neighbors. Seems like every time we have a, a, a thunder lightning storm, we lose the power. And yep. I said, you know what? That never happened when we were kids. Why not? <laughs> right? And you get that confused look. I said, because hard crit is just unstable. It's weak. It needs it needs help. Yep. And I, I said, it should be able to handle those things. You know, granted, if you get a direct hit on something, it's going to take out some part of that grid, right? But you aren't going to lose 10,000, 20,000 all at once, I don't think. So, and this is, by the way, not my expertise whatsoever, <laughs> just my own memories, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and, and you're, you're, you're right. I mean, it, a lot of systems, a lot of the lines that used to be considered parallel are now production. So yeah. the redundancies that we had in place are no longer redundancies. And Crazy. people are going, well, they need to build more. Well, that's the regulated part of the industry still. All that was deregulated way back when was uh, in the 1990s was power generation. And right now, and it was just in time for um, a lot of the different types of power plants to age out. Now, you know, it, again, I tell people, you know, you, we watch the news and everything and, and, and politicians are using energy as a... Um, uh, you know, both sides of the aisle are using energy yeah. as, as, a, as a thing, right? But we were already starting to retire coal-fired plants in the 1990s because they were too old. Yeah. They, were, they had cost too much to maintain. So when it de became deregulated, the, when somebody wanted to buy a, a plant, that's what they had was the baseloaded plants. But that's also why we had so many gas-fired plants starting up like crazy. Yeah. Um, Nobody could afford to keep, you know, a, a large, you know, uh, 15 megawatt or 15,000 or 1500 megawatt uh, generator turning 
and not actually selling that electricity. That's called a spinning reserve. So you needed stuff that would start up much faster. And then that's where we started out with the research going on during that period of time at Argonne um, for flywheel technology, um, which, which hasn't gone the way I expected. I, I expected that to be a significant player because all it is is a variable frequency drive, uh, a motor and a, and a free weight, um, hmm. the, uh, versus, versus a battery, which uses, you know, a lot of unusual materials. Yeah. Uh, so, so somewhere along the way, battery technology became the thing. It's it, but then again, I was wrong with wind and solar too. I thought solar would take the lead um, because of the amount of energy being put, <laughs> the amount of money and energy being put behind solar uh, in the 1990s. But wind um, became the thing, mostly because uh, the designs already existed and they were efficient yeah. and they were being used offshore in Europe. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been an interesting journey. Uh, and then there's new power sources that we're still exploring. Uh, and what's really interesting is nuclear is coming back. So yeah, I was, that was, uh, going to be my next question. Yeah. Um, it certainly is clean. It, uh, and it's just one of those things that, uh, I think if you follow the regulations and operate safely, it's, it's proven itself to be safe. And, and they're not talking about the great big nuclear power plants anymore. They're right. talking about small local distribution plants. So um, I was just asked the other day, well, how are they going to invent those? I go, just go to the military and pull them off any ship. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. my, my old ship, we had uh, two of them, uh, you know, and, and the uh, Enterprise had eight of them. <laughs> and every nuclear submarine, every submarine we have in the fleet uh, is nuclear powered. And, and those, those are not large um, device. And, and I remember once with the Roosevelt 1987, right before I left, there was a power outage on an island down south and we pulled into port, plugged in, and we powered that entire city. Wow. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing what a small plant can do in that, that end and the fuel, you know, if we watch again, it was a lot of movies and hysteria and stuff like that, because at the same time I went into the Navy, they had all the anti-nuclear protests because, you know, of all the stories about the two headed, uh, yeah, that's, uh, this, it was that, going on when I first went to school in 1979. Yeah. There was a lot of the no nukes uh, protests. Uh, those, interesting those, time. Those back same then, groups sure. are now the opposite. They they want to see nuclear power in. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, being uh, just like reliability and maintenance, right? The the side that you never see. Um, yeah. You know, I, I I tell people you, you don't have more fun until you're in one of these plants, whether it's a nuclear plant because I've worked. I worked a lot in the South Korean um, nuclear facilities, um, you know, or wind turbine or a solar farm. Those are fun. Yeah. Um, geothermal. I was at a hybrid plant that had uh, uh, both uh, solar and geothermal. Um, you know, there's only so many places you can put them. You need the heat and you need to be yeah. able to get that uh, from a well that you can get down far enough. So, and then you need the equipment to survive that. Um, 
and just all of the science behind all of this, it's amazing. I mean, because if you think about it, there were no utility scale wind turbines 22 years ago, 23 years ago. Incredible. The, the first ones of any size were, get, get, get this one, Florida Light and Power in California. So, <laughs> um, so it's uh, it, it's been a fascinating, like I said, fascinating journey. Uh, it's not all I do, of course, but uh, it's it's probably um, the fun part because it's the bleeding edge of everything. If you want to see, you know, the the term big data came from wind. It came from GE's work in wind. No um, yeah. And, and a lot of what we're dealing with in data science and Internet of Things and all the things that we're, we're slowly starting to see roll into injury, in industry, we've already been using in alternative energy. Cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, and that's one of the things I got to have to say that uh, I like about you, Howard. I, you're a regular user of LinkedIn, and I'm just totally amazed at all the things that you have going on. In fact, I've, I've, I've told... Uh, some of the folks that I'm, I'm tight with, the Tim Gosherts of the world, that my regrets uh, in terms of my career were uh, I didn't get as involved in SMRP as I should have. There, I had some real opportunities uh, when Tim and Rick were in there and busy. They kept saying, "You got come on, come on, come on. And I'm looking at them going, you're the guys that are keeping me busy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm too busy to be flying here and there to be doing those things. All right. So, uh, yeah, I wish I had it's, uh, become more involved in that because it is a fantastic organization. It's a great conference uh, uh, each year. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully we're through this pandemic and the, the piece of it where uh, uh, it's impacted people's travel. And that'll get back to where uh, it's a large and well-attended conference. So I, I, I hope so. I mean, last year everything was just opening. So, uh, and, and the rules at the conference weren't the greatest. I mean, yeah. I was lucky that I chose the right side of the conference hall for our booth. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we, we talked about the, the great ocean between the two sides of the, the, the conference hall, but now that all of that's over, I mean, the conference I was just at, they weren't expecting the numbers we got. And we, they weren't expecting the type of people to show up. And then um, in March, we had the operations and maintenance side of that conference, which was just strictly strictly related to reliability of, of wind, solar, and everything else. And um, we normally would have, you know, maybe 800. I mean, we had a record number. People wanted wow. to see each other. Um and, and even the flight down to and back on this one, I mean, I had to take a, a really early flight back because that's all that was available. Yeah, um, I, I found the same thing. And I'm not traveling like I used to, uh, only yeah. like once every other month. Uh, and it's just been driving me crazy. Of course, I, I got to the point where, uh, and you know how it is, I'm sure you get so many things that you go, all right, I'll book that trip for next week, you know, uh, tomorrow. <laughs> and uh, rather than a month earlier, right? And yeah. then you look and you go, oh, holy smokes, you know, I, I couldn't, I didn't get in until uh, uh, after midnight uh, last week on Friday. It was just because, you know, uh, flights weren't available. 
That's crazy. And let's not even talk, begin to talk about the prices. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's been insane. And I'm not seeing it, the travel slowing down with the prices and, and on the road. I mean, if I'm going to a site to do testing, um, that's, that's a drive. That's not a fly. And, yeah. um, you know, it's not unusual to do a 14 or 16 hour trip to get to somewhere. Right. So, um, I was, I was actually going, yay, prices are going up. Fewer people on the road. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, not nope, true. They're paying it. <laughs> yeah. So at any rate, Howard, I do have a hard stop here. So uh, it has been fantastic talking to you, but I do want to give you the opportunity uh, to let people know how they can get in contact with you. If they'd uh, like to talk to you about what you got going on in your services. Okay. Uh, probably two best ways is uh, motordoc.com, M-O-T-O-R-D-O-C.com. Uh, and the and that'll link you to the other websites I have uh, for the different services that we provide and a lot of just free information. And then LinkedIn. Um, I'm on there m- multiple times a day. I've dropped all other social media. Um, Very good. Yeah. Uh, it just got really ugly. So, um, yeah, and just look it up under, you know, motor doc, uh, and, uh, and you'll find us there. All right. And for this listening audience, I got to tell you, uh, I've, uh, had the opportunity of working with tons of people and got to know a, a huge amount of people through working in this industry of reliability. And Howard is one of those that is just unbelievable at getting back to people. I, I commend you on that. Uh, and it's not always same day, but even if it's two days or a week, you know, that when somebody sends you a note and says, hey, I got a question about this or that, you have always answered. And I want to thank you for that because you've been a tremendous help to me and my customers when, when they're in a jam. Uh, motors aren't my specialty. I can't pretend to know it's, you know, a fraction of what you do. And occasionally you have one of those customers that has that, that you know, all right, we've checked this failure mode, that failure mode, this failure mode, and we're still. It's it's always nice to have somebody like yourself that you can go. What are we missing here? And I, I want to thank you for that. I appreciate that. Thank you. All right. Well, Howard, it's been great uh, to our listeners. I am Doug Clucknett. This has been the Leadership Connection, and tune in next time. Have a great day.